Podcast Appetite for Distortion, episode 170. My name is Brando. Welcome back to this Guns N' Roses bar mitzvah party of a podcast as we look at life through Guns N' Roses uh, colored glasses. And we're certainly going to push the boundaries of how we connect things through our six degrees of GNR bacon today. Jam packed episode. Coming up a little bit later, uh, one of two interviews. We have today. Uh, first one, author Mark Bego. He's an author of a brand new Elton John book called Rocket Man. And of course, if you know anything about Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose, you know how much of an impact Elton has had on Axl Rose. So we're going to talk about, of course, that dynamic and obviously his new book, Rocket Man. And then after that, we're going to welcome Chelsea Urson on the line. She is a podcaster with a brand new podcast out called. Dear Young Rocker, I love this idea. I think this is just one of the the great ideas to come out of the world of podcasting. I don't know about you, while I still am like in present, I, in the present, I'm a weirdo. I, I I embrace it, but for the longest time, you know, when you're a kid trying to find your way and you feel awkward and you, you know, you you have social anxieties and you can't talk to girls if you're me, all these things. So you kind of get lost in rock music. That's how you, you feel like you're, you're part of something bigger. So uh, her podcast is about talking to her younger self about how it's all going to be okay through the power of rock. So really looking forward to speaking with Chelsea and, and Mark coming up a little bit later. But first, we're going to do something uh, different. I shouldn't say different. We just haven't kicked off the show this way in a while. And that is with news. We had to get into Shotgun News right away, of course, brought to you by AlternativeNation.net, because there is, well, news in the Guns N' Roses world. Well, for one, uh, as I'm recording this podcast, it is February 4th, and if, you haven't, if you've been awake for the past day, you are well aware that Guns N' Roses has announced a massive North American tour. There were rumors. There was even a rumor of this this talk station in Chicago announcing they were doing ticket giveaways for their show in Wrigley Field, and that contest all of a sudden disappeared. I guess they were a little too early with announcing it because, well, they are going to be at Wrigley Field in Chicago. They're going to be at a lot of different stadiums and arenas across uh, the country. And this is what I got the press release, and this is what's actually kind of funny. Uh, if you've been following me on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter uh, at the AFD show or just have been listening to this podcast, you know I've been helping out with the uh, Q104.3 morning show here in New York City. So as a producer and as a producer, you're always supposed to gather news and you bring that to the on-air hosts. And it's in today's world, it is what it is. I get a lot of news just from social media and people posting things. And obviously, I follow everything Guns N' Roses. 
not just with my job because well they're my favorite band <laughs> hence this podcast why it, you know it's the mix of my job and my and my true love so I'm just scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden I see and when those those uh, event invites to go see Guns N' Roses at MetLife Stadium which is where the New York Giants and and the Jets play in New Jersey and if you're I know we have a lot of international listeners. Why we have New York teams that play in New Jersey, that's a whole other story. But I, I see this, and I'm like, this this can't be right. There's been a no announcement, and I'm kind of waiting for it to be taken down. Somebody hacked Guns N' Roses' Facebook page, but no. It might have been uh, two minutes later, my the, uh, program director at Q, he sent me the press release, which goes like this. Guns N' Roses to dominate new decade with larger-than-life global stadium tour. So no mention of not in this lifetime. Interesting. But I know many of you have gotten the pre-sale tickets today. Again, as I mentioned, it's February 4th. Uh, they go on sale to the public this Friday, the 7th. And that is when I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to get my tickets because if you've you know, listened to this podcast, you know I get... Uh, ADA seating, American Disabilities Act seating. And so I'm, I'd like to think that there will be plenty of those still on sale on Friday. I'm going to uh, take my girlfriend. She's dragging me to Dave Matthews again this summer. So I'm taking her to see Guns N' Roses again. That's the way that it works. So uh, I know many of you are already super excited. And I will say this because, you know, when these dates were announced, it was a nice little mix of yay <laughs> and, well, confusion. Well, Where's the new music? Where's any sort of update? You know, and this is included in Shotgun News. I have really no more issue with the set list. I don't. They've added Dead Horse. They've done Locomotive. Of course, there are other ones I want to hear, but included in the Shotgun News, we're going to talk about the, the Super Bowl, the Music Fest the Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest that they uh, played along with uh, with Snoop Dogg. And they brought out You're Crazy. I know Axel has played that in recent years, but I think this is the first time he's played this with Slash and Duff since 1993. So they're bringing out songs that it's, it's not the same exact set list. You know, and I hate to bring up Dave Matthews again for the second time in the first 10 minutes. And they're just not that kind of band where every show is going to be completely different. Cause you know what? They don't have the catalog. They don't. I'm not saying that they, there aren't songs that they, we want them still to be playing. You know, we want to hear breakdown. We want to hear, I mean, can they do the garden? You know, can they, can they do the garden of Eden? There's a lot of, there's, there's still room for quote unquote improvement, but I see the subtleties and, and the changing of the set list, so I have no problem with, as it's continuously shaped, I guess. My only issue has been really just the amount of covers, especially when you have Knocking on Heaven's Door and Live and Let Die, which are, well, Guns N' Roses staples, while they are also still covers, technically. Uh, but I think that's my only issue with it. So I'm no no complaints there. It's just, what are you guys doing? Like, what what's the plan? Just the tour until, you know, like the Rolling Stones tour into your in your seventies, and that's it. It just there doesn't really seem to be any sort of a concrete update. We get those 
wishy-washy non-answers from Duff and and Slash and even Richard Ford is about new music. We we don't know. I think that's what even makes us hungrier, you know, especially if the set list would involve a hard school. You know, it's the, one of these leaks that were so well received. So my point being, I'm never gonna not I'm never gonna tell somebody not to complain or have an opinion about the set list. I'm just letting you know for me, that is not the number one priority. I am excited that they are touring again, that I get to go see them again. And I think that's the bottom line. And the mystery around this band says, what am I going to get next time around? Am I going to hear a song that I have I have yet to see live? And with all these rumors, with new music, is that going to peak its head? It's very frustrating because we always seem to be teased that it's not going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen here. Oh, it's finally an announcement. It's going to probably happen this year. We don't know. But as long as the the night train keeps going, so to speak, then I, I it's hard for me. I, I, I don't want to look at this in a negative way. So as long as they keep touring, which they are, it's, it's, it's pretty good in Guns N' Roses' world. We want new music, but... As uh, we all know, and we'll talk about this later with uh, with Chelsea, what it's like, you know, latching on to, you know, your favorite band and being made fun of when you're a kid. You know, we're in a good place being Guns N' Roses fans here in, in 2020 because we've certainly been in worse places. You know that. Another thing I want to mention in Shotgun News before we get to our interviews this episode, and I mentioned it just briefly before, was the... Uh, the Super Bowl Music Fest that Guns N' Roses took part of. And, of course, there was a, a lot of fun talk about this should have been the, the halftime show, Guns N' Roses and Snoop Dogg. Uh, just real quick, because obviously, you know, we're not here to talk about Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. I've seen worse halftime shows. It's true. I, I think Shakira fucking rocks. She, you know, she can play, she can play uh, guitar, she can play drums, very, very talented. Uh, it was cool to, she kind of had a very brief medley of of Led Zeppelin. Actually, we counted for the morning show. It was eight seconds of cashmere. Eight seconds <laughs> that we got. Uh, and so it was, it was fine. It was fine. I was disappointed that that's what I could watch and I couldn't watch Guns N' Roses, I guess. However, there were plenty of fans out there that took Facebook Live videos, so it was obviously not pro shot, <laughs> but it was it was nice to almost, like, be there in a way, you know, for the, all of us who uh, couldn't get down to uh, get down to Miami. So that's how we found out about your crazy being played. So that 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 in itself is is cool. Uh, something else that they did that was really really cool and it went viral. And it touches on what I spoke about at the end of last episode, and that was wanting to hear Axl Rose's opinion, or, or just thoughts, or any any sort of his feelings on the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. And we, we mentioned that because you know Slash had paid tribute on his social media accounts, so did Guns N' Roses, their social media accounts. So before knocking on Heaven's door, and I'm going to play it for you in a second, uh, Axl gives a, a a nice speech dedicating the song to Kobe and his daughter and to all the, the victims of the, of the, the terrible tragedy that took place uh, with the, the helicopter. 
and I'm not. It's, it may be hard to find now the performance and the speech online. So I'm glad I I took time to actually record it because I thought what Axel said was beautiful. And uh, to tie in both the the performance of Knocking on Heaven's Door and the uh, the, the music fest. Now, only one Guns N' Roses song w- would be televised. Many of you were asking me, well, is there any way I could watch this? Other than, of course, people just doing Facebook Live and Periscope and whatnot. Well, the, the deal was that Fox, uh, the Fox TV channel, was going to have an hour-long special. And it was going to be an, a nice mix of performances of that whole weekend. They showed, I think, a couple songs from Snoop. DJ Khaled, who I still don't understand what he does or why he's famous. Uh, but a lot of it was football stuff, of course. I mean, I'm a football fan, but geez, if I don't care about the teams, it's just enough coverage already. They showed one Guns N' Roses song, Sweet Child of Mine. That's it. In the hour, in the whole hour, it was just Sweet Child of Mine, and that was it. Which is pretty well received, I think, out there by social media and you know, everyone's very uh, quick to jump on Axel. But it was um, it was cool. It, it was definitely cool. I will say this. I said out loud uh, to my girlfriend as we're, we're watching it. It feels weird to see this version of the band pro shot. You know what I mean? Because it's hard to see this band unless you go to concerts. Because all the videos are hard to find. Let's just say that. Um, so it, it was nice to see the pro shot version of, of this Guns N' Roses. That was very cool. Uh, also, the uh, there were some photos of Axel, Duff, and Slash with Snoop Dogg uh, circulating the internet. Axel, uh, for God, had a smile. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I will briefly say this because I want to focus on the positive, and and I want to play you the uh, the speech Axel gave to about, about Kobe. Uh, I don't. I think it's weird that it's just a three. You know, being involved in promotions and we're just in the photo with Snoop. I mean, Dizzy's part of the band. Bliss's part of the band. Richard's part of the band. I don't remember any version of the band prior to the current one that didn't that doesn't embrace all of the members. Right? Like he, like of course he'll always, he'll still introduce the band members every show. But I guess I feel like they're being left out on a lot of the the actual promotion of the band for people to meet this Guns N' Roses. Like, we know Axel and Slash and Duff are together, but, I mean, maybe the general public doesn't care enough. I want to know more about Frank. I want to know more about Melissa. I want to know about the rest of this band. I want to feel like it's, it is a band. Anyway, we've we've gone down that road before. So, uh, before we get to speaking with Mark and Chelsea, let me play you this uh, this speech from Axel. It's going to be maybe about, about two minutes long, but it's been hard to find on the internet since it, it went up, so I want to make sure that you hear all of it. This next song... Thundercloud over the 
just beautifully said, well done. I think the performance of Knocking on Heaven's Door ended up being like over seven minutes. It was just very well done. And I was hoping that actually that would be the performance they would show on Fox. You know, I know Sweet Child of the Mind is the big song. Maybe that is the bigger appeal. But I think it would have been you know, a really big statement and, and shown Guns N' Roses uh, in, in a really special kind of light to, to connect those worlds and to show that for those who really still don't get what Axl Rose is all about now, thinking he's still this guy who's late, who's angry, who doesn't show up, that he is a completely different guy and for the better. So um, I hope you enjoyed that speech as much as, as I did and because you can tell how heartfelt it was. Anyway. First up on the agenda, as we move along, uh, episode 170, we are going to speak with Mark Bego, author of Rockin' Man. Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you doing? I am living the dream. That is great. Brando meets Bego. I like this. <laughs> Ooh, that's a morning show in the waiting. Okay, I'm going to submit that to premiere and see if uh, see what happens. Uh, Excellent. Where are we speaking? Uh, where are you calling from in th- today, if you don't mind me asking? I am in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, okay. Is it? How is it there? Because I, I know with global warming, it snows in Arizona now. Is it? How is it today? Oh, yeah. It snowed a couple times uh, wow. here it all, this, already this winter. It is changing. Everything's shifting. We always got a little bit of snow in the mountains, but now it's, uh, it's moved down to the lower elevations. Mm. So we get to see cactus with snow in it. Oh, that sounds so weird. I know. It's other otherworldly. Sure. Well, then I'm curious, since you're such a uh, an accomplished author, do you have like a special writing place? Do you do it from home? Do you go on vacation? Where's your favorite place to write? Well, I have lots of favorite places, um, a, a coffee shop, a hotel, a different setting, but I usually end up on my dining room table. <laughs> okay. Because everything's there. The coffee maker's there. The, uh, the kitchen's there. Everything's there. And I can get to the stereo. So I'm not one of those Alexis people. I actually program my music piece by piece. Ah, like the old days of radio. Just like the old days, just like <laughs> I've always done. <laughs> uh, so was it at your dining room table where you penned Rocket Man? It was all over the place. Okay, all right. It was pretty all over the place. Um, some of it was done in New York, some in California, some in here in Tucson, some wherever I could scribble something on a napkin. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. I'm a scraps of paper kind of guy. You make me feel better. Things. You make well, me, good. yeah, because I usually just write down scraps of paper because I, I don't like writing notes on my phone either. I'm the same way, no, so... I- don't do that. I don't do that at all. <laughs> I, I, I like to have something in my hand, like, uh, you know, uh, schedules of what I'm going to do. Sure. So what's the difference between this new book, uh, Rockin' Man, which is available now? What's the, I guess, the difference between, because you've written about Elton before. You, I wrote about him 10 years ago, well, uh, 11 years ago, and uh, it was a book called The Bitches Back, and I love doing it. I've worked very hard on researching it, and uh, the book came out, and drum roll, please, I finished off the publishing company. It went bankrupt immediately. <laughs> oh, no. So no one saw the book. <laughs> You know, it was it was one of those books that got really lost in America, but it did globally fantastic. My first book 
interpreted into Russian mm-hmm. for Russian audiences. So proud of that. Um, uh, there was a British edition, an Australian edition, the American edition, of course. Um, so it's, it was really gratifying in a way, but it really didn't get the chance that it needed because the American publishing company was suddenly gone. So uh, it sat here and sat here. Well, then suddenly 2019 became the year of Elton John, the movie, the tour, the, the everything. So it seemed like perfect timing to bring the book out again, add new pieces to it, and uh, you know, put the movie in, new beginning, new ending. So finally people get to see uh, the labors of my work that's taken me in total 15 years and research over 50 years. Wow. I've been I've been listening to Elton's music since before he had American releases. I fell in love with Elton's music on the Three Dog Night album, Suitable for Framing, 1969. And as soon as the Elton John album came out the next year, I was like, oh, my God, that's the guy that wrote that Three Dog Night song. Let me buy the album. And I bought every album since 1970. So his his music has really been the soundtrack of a lot of... A lot of uh, Things in my life, uh, the disco era, even 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 Elton went disco at one point. So, um, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. That was college. That was my college days. We played that thing constantly. Still love that album. Still one of my favorite albums of his. So, in a way, this has been a, a labor of love putting this book together and seeing it uh, finally reach its audience. You know, I, I'm curious because Elton obviously spans so many decades, and I'm a bit younger than you. I'm I'm 36, but okay. I st- I still find myself. I grew up with Elton John, just in in a different way, you know, in a different point uh, in in his career. So, right. what do you think it is about Elton? Because usually, when if there's a biography written, or especially a movie, the artist has had passed. You know, like Jim Morrison or Freddie Mercury. What is it about Elton that? Everyone still wants a part of him, especially, thankfully, while he's still here. Well, it's, it's amazing. I mean, he's someone who has never stopped making music. He's someone who's never not had a record deal, not had, you know, some sort of phase of his life going on, whether it was stripping down his road tour to just a couple of pieces or, or what. Uh, he's tried to and announced that he was going to retire several times, sort of threateningly. Um, but he never really wanted to. He's one of those people who's really driven to succeed and to create. He's, he has to be creating, whether, no matter what it is. He's always always up to something. Uh, I think one of the keys to his success is, is of course, that Bernie Taupin knows Elton so well, knows his uh, voice so well, and knows his phrasing that he writes really incredible lyrics for, for Elton. And other people have written great lyrics for Elton along the way as well. There was a, a huge patch between uh, the late 70s and the mid 80s where he and Bernie weren't talking, and Elton tried other, other uh, lyricists and uh, it worked out successfully in many instances, um, but I'm glad that they're back together. It's, it's a winning team, and Elton's music means so much to so many different people. I mean, I'm 30 years older than you. Oh, my God, I admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And Elton's music touched me, and, and you just admitted as well that you've grown up with his music. So there's just something about it that, um, that really delights all of us somehow. Whether it's whether it's a sad introspective song or an upbeat rock and roll song, no, absolutely. Because you know, I just came from uh, producing the morning show here in New York City, a Q one hundred four three, and that's the station I grew up with. So that's I grew up with classic rock, even though 
I'm I'm a little younger. My dad he taught me well. So, uh, but I, I still can. I, no matter how long I live, I will never be a bigger Elton fan than you. So I'm curious. What did you find out that was special when you kind of revamped your 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 book? Like, what, anything special that you found out that really shocked you putting the Rocket Man together? Um, I won't say shocked because I pretty much knew a lot of it, whether I wrote about it or not. I know a lot of people who uh, know Elton very well have dealt with him over the years, and I, I knew I knew a lot of secrets before the public did. Um, I certainly knew he was gay before the public did, and. Um, I think what it is that draws us to him is that he's very real, very vulnerable. And in the film he's just done, and in his own book, and in, in all of his interviews, he admits, you know, to feeling like some nerdy kid, you know, in, in uh, upstate or up, you know, away from uh, north of London, uh, out in the suburbs in Pinner, and feeling just kind of like, you know, wanting to be a rock star, but looking in the mirror and going, I look nothing like a rock star. <laughs> And then inventing Elton John. Elton John, of course, is not his name. It's actually Reginald Dwight. And so what he did was he became someone else. He he killed off his former former self and became this glittering superstar, Elton John. And I think that his passage to from from that from this you know geeky kind of kid and pinner to an international superstar is something that inspires people to listen to his story and and know that he is very vulnerable in a way, yet very, very strong in his convictions. And he, you know, he's someone who, you know, runs after a cause when he decides it needs a spotlight, whether it's AIDS research or what. And he's just very real, very in the moment, and a lot of fun to see in concert. You mentioned a few things, and it's, if you notice the name of my podcast, it's a play off uh, the Guns N' Roses album. So, you know, uh, Axl Rose also killed off a name. He killed off Bill Bailey. He changed it to Axl Rose. And he's often cited Elton as a major, major influence, you know, more than just a Freddie Mercury uh, performance uh, when they did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. But when GNR came from the hard rock to introducing the piano. So I'm curious, what do you know of, uh, if there is, I guess, a, a relationship between Axl Rose and Elton John? Well, they certainly they performed, I know, at the um, Freddie Mercury um, Memorial Benefit in the early 90s. Um, and I know that they have been acquaintances uh, for a long time. I don't know that they have created anything together. Um, but, but who knows? Alden seems to collaborate with just about everybody. I've got some great suggestions for him if he ever asks me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm so. waiting for that day. <laughs> I mean, it was great to hear Elton John on the brand new Ozzy song which also fe- featured Slash. So, I mean, the, the, the yellow road is there. The building blocks are there. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and just as I, I said a moment ago, he loves to collaborate with people, loves to show up in, in strange places. I mean, Lady Gaga and Elton, uh, in a way, is kind of a bizarre twist, but they, they've hit it off just amazingly well. He really embraces a lot of the new talent that comes out and has through, through uh, every era. And even, you know, when he did the album with Leon Russell, he loves to give the spotlight to people he's known for years, admired for years. So, 
you know, along comes this Ozzy Osbourne duet. Um, and he's the Leon Russell, I thought, was just an amazing album for him and, and such a great tribute to someone he really admired at the very beginning of his career. And uh, it, it's wonderful to know that he gave Leon that last uh, big spotlight hurrah of his career. Uh, Leon, of course, is no longer with us. Right. But that album of great music is still with us. And I think that's one of the things that, that really has always intrigued me about music is that you can listen to the music of different eras and envision what it was like during that era when it was recorded or when these people were popular. Like I'll listen to a Billie Holiday record or a, uh, a Bessie Smith record or, or an Andrews Sisters record. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of transformed back into what I think their lives might have been like and what they, what they felt when they were recording this song. So I think Elton's songs definitely uh, kind of take us back uh, to, to the position where he is. Uh, you listen to Benny and the Jets and you think of Elton, you know, running out dressed as Queen Elizabeth or something on stage. You listen to some of his introspective songs like Tiny Dancer and you imagine what it was like when, when he and Bernie wrote that song on their very first trip to America back in 1970. Um, so it's... Uh, it's something that, that I think Elton, Elton and Elton's music touches all of us in different ways. Each song, song by song, he has so many moods, and uh, I think he reflects a lot of the, uh, the moods that we all have. And he's someone who certainly is not afraid to interject his opinion if he doesn't like something. <laughs> it's, it's why we love him. Famous feuds. <laughs> it's why we love him. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the, on the new book. I believe your 66th book. My 66th published book. Wow. Thank you so Thanks. much, Mark. My pleasure. You know, it's interesting how this thought never came to mind until just now. You know, we were, of course, talking about the new Ozzy record, new Ozzy song, Ordinary Man, featuring Elton John slash Duff and Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers. Why not Axel? Right? I mean, I know it's it was... It's an Aussie vehicle, but if there was an opportunity to be on a, a record, a song, with Elton John, wouldn't Axel want to do that? Given his history of, of loving the bands and the music that shaped him, just look at ACDC, which is why I, I really would be so disappointed if the new ACDC doesn't include at least one Axel DC track. Maybe not just Axel on it, but Axel and Brian. I mean, it was magic. Something's got to happen. So, uh, but to go back with to, to, to Elton, wh- what do you think that conversation was like? Perhaps when Slash, not like he's running things by Axel or Duff is running things by Axel. Not nowadays. But wouldn't Axel want to? Wouldn't he be kind of jealous? I don't know if jealous. It might be too strong of a word, but. Wouldn't you think he would want that opportunity to do something with Elton John, let alone Ozzy Osbourne, right? But to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, as long as they, you know, they're all active, all these possibilities are out there. And as long as the possibilities are out there, it just, it gives a lot of uh, fun creativity and uh, and thought into what the future might hold for for Axl Rose and and Guns N' Roses, but I mean, if Elton's still interested in, in, in making music, how's that Axel Elton thing not happened yet? Right? 
So I want to move on to our next guest on today's episode. Her name is Chelsea Urson, and she has a podcast called Dear Young Rocker, which is an audio memoir about growing up a loner and finding a home in music. I bet you're nodding your head and be like, that's me. That's me. Because, well, that is me. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't wait to you know, kind of pick her brain and see where she's coming from because, you know, other than, you know, I'm not a girl, uh, she actually can play an instrument is in a band. I don't have any musical talent. Other than those things, I feel I have a lot to uh, relate to with Chelsea, and I'm sure that you do as well. Uh, I may have mentioned earlier on in the in the podcast, um, episode one or two, I, I don't recall, but... There used to be something, I think it still exists, but it's not uh, cool anymore, uh, something called LiveJournal, LiveJournal.com, which is just an online journal. And I had that in high school, early college, and uh, I, I made the wallpaper like you would your, your, your desktop computer or your phone. You have certain wallpaper skins. It was a picture of Axl Rose. You can actually... Uh, change certain things like the instead of it instead of it saying you know leave a comment and how many people commented i changed the wording to antagonize me you know from getting the ring and how many people commented it would say two people got in the ring <laughs> so this just goes to show you how far back my gnr nerdum is and it's i haven't looked at it in a few, in, in several years Mainly because I know how depressing it is. Because the last time, maybe years ago when I looked at it, whoa, I don't know how I survived. Really. I, I'm i just going to cut right to it. I would pray for death. I would make those posts probably private. Because uh, live journal, you would connect with friends. It was the early days of MySpace. Uh, I don't know if Facebook was around at the time, but... It was it was the cool thing to do. This was how you were able to meet people and share your thoughts and ideas. And it was kind of like a Facebook timeline before there really was one. So it was just all on one on one site. So I would, you know, talk about uh, why I suck with girls or um, talk about music and talk about Guns N' Roses. Absolutely, I would do that. But there would be some posts that I would make private and it would be just for me. And I look back on it, and and I wish I could tell my younger self, you know, I mean, thankfully I'm I'm alive, but I wish I could tell my younger self I can I could have saved myself so much grief if I knew it was going to be okay. And that's what Chelsea does here in her new podcast, uh, Dear Young Rocker. She she talks to her younger self about how it's going to be growing up and how it's going to be okay. And of course, you know, you would want your that message to be heard by others. And it's something special about the rock community that we do come together, that we do, we come together while at the same time we feel like loners, right? It was something, you dress like a rocker. And it, I, I went to, you know, where I went to high school, it was very name brand. You know, my freshman year, there were 17-year-olds driving SUVs. You know, I, that wasn't me. Uh, it, it sounds silly now, but 
you know, I felt at home at a Hot Topic and, and wearing all these silly shirts and band t-shirts. That's what made me feel comfortable. And what helped me was also kind of learning about Axl Rose. Thinking, how cool is he now? He's the coolest guy on the planet. But you can see how tormented and, and, and how much pain he was in. And thinking, you know what, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. And, but it wasn't tangible. So what Chelsea does here is make a very tangible and relatable story for all of us. So let me welcome uh, her to the show. Chelsea Urson. Hello. Hi, Brandon. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, even though we've never met, I feel like I can relate a lot to you. Do you get that often since your podcast has come out? Yeah, I get a lot of that. That's mostly uh, what people say when they reach out to me. How do you feel the same way I felt when I was that age? Or now, maybe, too. (laughs) Absolutely, because I'm a weirdo now and... I was a weirdo then. How was making this podcast, how has been the approach been for you? Has it been more to kind of maybe heal yourself, some things that you were going through, or is it to help others, a combination of the two? Yeah, it's kind of both. I think I started with the intention of helping other people, um, and then along the way realized, wow, this is really doing something for me too. I'm kind of like, okay, now I'm okay with how, how weird I am and how weird I was back then, even though it felt like, you know, the, the odd one out and you feel like you're not doing high school right if you don't have a big group of friends or whatever. And now I'm like, you know what? I was different and that's cool. So I'm okay with it. I like that attitude. Now, when did you first get into rock music and who got you into it? Was it friends? Was it a family? Because that's how we found ourselves. That's what made us comfortable, rock and roll. So who got you into it? Who uh, who gave you the rock bug? That's a fun question. Um, you know, my parents aren't even really into rock music that much, and I don't have any siblings. So where it really came from, I don't know. I guess probably just hearing songs on the radio. But I first... Um, started playing when I was like 12, 11 and a half or 12. I asked for a bass uh, for Christmas. And um, actually, no, first I asked for an acoustic guitar. Very soon realized I'm not a guitar player, I'm a bass player. Um, And I became obsessed with the Smashing Pumpkins. That was the first band. I just couldn't get enough of listening to all their albums and just went from there. But yeah, this was all my own creation. I had no one I was modeling this after. Totally. Smashing Pumpkins. Absolutely. One of the bands of my youth as well. Now, I'm only a few years older than you. I believe you're 31. I'm 36. So, same ballpark. So, I would like to know what other bands gave you comfort when you would listen to them. Yeah. Um, very quickly after that, it was Nirvana and the Pixies were huge for me because they were so different. Different than anything. You know, and they were a little older, but... um you know, the stuff that was on the radio in the the early 2000s was very different, but that, you know, early 90s stuff really did it for me, especially, yeah, the Pixies and Weezer, um, any of the sort of, like, poppy grunge kind of thing, Um, Bush, um, No Doubt was huge, huge for me, just because of Gwen Stefani, just seeing a girl rocker. I know there's a lot of reflection in your podcast, of course, talking to your younger self, but has there been anything that you've learned about the current version of you from doing this podcast? Yeah, I'm learning 
that I guess teenagers are are cool and they actually deserve more credit than you'd think. Like you want to think, oh, back then I was like so dumb. I didn't really understand how everything worked. I was just emotional all the time. You know, I'm so glad I'm a totally different person. You know, like that, that person's like an alien. I'm a different person now, but I'm realizing that there was actually something to being a teenager and feeling things so strongly that I actually do want to try to connect to, you know, like hearing your favorite song for the first time that feeling isn't something you get much as an adult. And it's it's good to remember those things and not just write them off as silly teenager stuff. That is so true. It's, it's, it's not the same to hear a song for the first time now than it was as a kid. So what is your favorite song of all time? Is it a Smashing Pumpkins song? What's your, your favorite number one song of all time? My favorite, favorite song? Hmm. You know, actually, I think... The Pixie song, um, Debaser, I'll actually take that one because that was the first song I played with my first band at my very first show. That was what we started the set with. And whenever I hear that opening bass line, I'm just like 14 again on stage for the first time with my friends, feeling like I'm alive for the first time. So what has been your favorite podcast episode that you've recorded so far? What what has it been about? Mm, my favorite episode is not out yet. It's actually number eight. It's when I I graduate high school and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with music. It's kind of a sad, a sad one uh, because I, I think I might give up on music, but um, I think it's an important realization that I come to there. So I'm excited about that. I know you initially wanted your story to be a book, but I'm glad that you decided to make this into a podcast because you know, as a podcaster myself, and I've written things in my life, I feel you have more flexibility with a podcast. Would you agree? Right. That's right. Yeah, I am really glad I did a podcast. And, you know, I've discovered things that I wouldn't have, you know, in a book, because I do all this, all these sound effects and sound design and music with the podcast. And writing about music so hard to get across those feelings you're trying to get. But if you can just play a guitar chord along with a sentence that gives you the right feeling. It just brings you so much deeper into the story. And so I, I love having the music element and being able to to give the right inflection when I'm, you know, reading a sentence, whereas writing it, you, you're not sure the person's going to totally connect with what you're saying. So, yeah, I'm really, really glad I, I decided to do a podcast. I imagine you're the same way. Sometimes you just, you look back in the past and you're just like screaming in yourself, like, why didn't you do this or relax, you know, what, what would you tell your younger self? What's the main thing you would tell your younger self now? Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, kid, you're so much cooler than you think. You're perfect as you are. Don't worry about it. Just keep being you. I like that a lot. Now with my podcast, I do a little bit of what you do. Um, we, we if you can't tell by the name of the podcast, it's centered around, Guns and Roses, but often I talk about my younger self, and we when we talk to fans, we find out about you know what it was like for them growing up and when they found GNR. As I mentioned before, we're kind of in the same ballpark, you know, age wise. So I'm I'm just curious because I know you got the grunge thing down. Uh, were you a fan of Guns and Roses? I think that's a few years. Uh, for the cutoff <laughs> for me <laughs> just because I think that that was that point where it was like oh you know they started in the 
the 80s, and that was the point where it was like almost classic rock or something. So I liked the little bit older, but that was probably like one one rock generation before. So I, I didn't get into them a lot um, when I was a kid, but yeah. No, I get it. And to keep the theme of being a weirdo, I was a weirdo for liking Guns N' Roses. I was a weirdo for liking hair metal, for being a young kid and and liking this music with guys in spandex. <laughs> um, I didn't go that far as far as wearing span, spandex to you know, find my comfort zone in rock and roll, but I would find myself dressing like a rocker. Uh, how about you? Yeah, oh, we would all, you know, me and my band, we all dressed like Nirvana, and <laughs> we all had the baggy flannels and the, the ripped-up jeans. That that was totally our look, and all the boys had super long, greasy hair. <laughs> I will never give up my flannel. That'll never go out of style. Thank you so much for your time, Chelsea. Keep being weird. Okay, thank you. You too, Brandon. I enjoy conversations like that. How many interviews have we done where we've spoken to somebody, and, and it wasn't just to talk about their Guns N' Roses affiliation, but it was to find out what kind of kid they were. You know, were they an insecure rock and roll kid? Like me, like Chelsea. It's just another reminder that no matter what time period, no matter where in the world you, you grew up, you, we, we all have that, that insecure gene that we have to battle through. And somehow rock and roll continues to save lives. And it's, fa- it's, it's, it's awesome. It's just really awesome that that common theme continues to happen. And what's special, because, I mean, nobody wants to go through the awkward phase where you feel bad about yourself. I think that's unavoidable. But what really helps, especially in today's world, are podcasts like Chelsea's or hopefully mine, where it, it's one thing to... You know, maybe read a self-help book or, of course, you want to talk to your family and friends. But when you're, quote unquote, when you're talking to, let's just say that's what radio is. It's like talking to a friend. It's what podcasting is. It's talking to a friend. And that friend doesn't know you. And you feel so connected to that friend. It's kind of like you reach up and be like, there's someone like me. Because I, that's how I felt with, because I would talk to family and friends and I always felt maybe they were a little biased because they loved me as a family um, member or, or a friend. But when you connected with a stranger that you didn't know at all before, and it's like, wow, me too. For me, that's what made me feel less alone. Was meet, We're meeting the strangers out there that I had a lot of common with. Because sometimes, and I hate to say it, friends and family aren't enough. And it's special. However you listen to this podcast or others, you know, you can be alone in your room and you have that voice in your ear, that comforting voice on the radio and a podcast, knowing that you're not alone. There's no silence. When you're reading a book, well, unless it's a a special kind of pop-up book, it's going to be silence. So it's important for, for people like Chelsea to get their stories uh, heard. And, well, it's also important for you to get your story heard. So perhaps you have something similar uh, to Chelsea that you would want to talk about. And 
obviously uh, relating to Guns N' Roses. You can be on the next podcast when we do another Fan Obsession segment. So uh, if you want to tell your story in the podcast going forward, please don't forget. Uh, follow us on social media, uh, Appetite for Distortion, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's also the best way to not only participate in the podcast, but that's to find out who our next guest will be. Okay, so that does it for episode 170 of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks, whether you listen via the iHeartRadio app, you found us through AlternativeNation.net, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. However you listen, however you hang out, we're not alone. We're a bunch of rock and roll, Guns N' Roses weirdos hanging out together. I wouldn't have it any other way. So when will you see the next episode? When will you hear it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.